This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Design Safe Radio. Glad to have you here. I'm your host, Dan Zayner, and looking forward to chatting with my good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Berman from the University of Washington. And he is one of the co-PIs with our Nary Tallwood project, which we've heard a little bit about from a, a couple of folks on our show the past year or so. Um, one thing that we're doing, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, um, he has in the background there our 10-story building that is being built right now at the University of San Diego um, Large Outdoor Shake Table. And if you can spot the NSF logo, whoever spots it, spots it first and says where it is in the comments, we will pin your comments. So uh, starting starting a new thing with that. That uh, Thank you, Jeff, for giving us the opportunity to have some fun on YouTube. So, Jeff, welcome. Uh, good to have you here, man. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it's an awesome opportunity. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where your research interests are, because you, you've got quite a few different uh, rabbit holes that you're in, you're involved in. Um, but just, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a professor at University of Washington. I'm in the civil engineering department. I teach a lot of structures, structural engineering courses. Um, and the research area, I've uh, I've I started my career kind of in in steel structures for seismic loading and uh, spent a bunch of time there and and got really into uh, the notion of design for resilience and design for damage control and and repairability uh, in steel structures and uh, have since uh, kind of branched off into a few different areas. Uh, one of those is taking some of those same concepts and porting them over into the mass timber building world and uh, and that whole movement, which is how my uh, collaboration with with all of the co-PIs on the Tallwood project began. Uh, and then also I I, I uh, am also the operations director for for one of our NERI facilities for the rapid facility here at the University of Washington that does a lot of uh, we, we have tools for natural disaster reconnaissance um, and data collection post event and I've got a lot of interests in in those areas what we can learn uh, post disaster. I also have, you know, I'm kind of an earthquake engineer uh, in, in general as well. And and uh, my colleague, uh, Mark Eberhard, and I here have done a lot of work on Cascadia subduction zone mm. hazards and their impact on the Pacific Northwest. And Yeah, one of the fun things, I, I, it's just always fun to talk to you because I think we're similarly wired in the multi-passionate sense. If yeah. you, you've, got, you've got a lot of different things that you're very passionate about, and it's just all, always fun to talk about them. Um, so let's dive deep into Tallwood today. So um, sure. we've talked about it a little bit. It's a it's a long-term uh, National Science Foundation-funded research project. Started 2015-ish, by my recollection, but a lot of moving parts, literally and figuratively. Hundreds of researchers, lots of different industry groups. So, and as a co-PI, you, you've been involved since the get-go. What are you guys hoping to learn from shaking that 10-story building on the world's largest outdoor shake table? What what kind of impact might this have on it on engineering and, and resilience on the built environment? There's a a, a, a really significant uh industry uh academia academia 
partnership. Um, I, I think they're, they are becoming more and more critical, more and more important to uh, push some of the solutions and new ideas that we come up with um, in ag within academic research to push this to practice kind of uh, faster and more um, effectively mm. um, for for industry. Because uh, so usually it takes, you know, a decade or more to push right. research to industry in, in most cases from from our natural hazards research. Yeah. Right, right. And and I think this this project in particular, um, it's been such an excellent collaboration between researchers and between kind of academia and and uh, industry. Um, you know, we've developed these new technologies, not not kind of in a um, in a vacuum in academia. We've actually developed them kind of hand in hand with industry, um, you know. Uh, Simpson Strong Tie is such a huge partner in this project. Um, they have uh, connection, drift compatible connections for beam to column connections that are implemented in the 10 story building. And, uh, you know, we helped them design, they, they designed them. They're, you know, it, it's just a fantastic partnership. Mm -hmm. There's so many um, kind of facets of this project that could not have been achieved with a with an academic only team um you know we we uh have built now we i can say we have built because we topped out um right before uh the holidays yeah um, yeah and uh, uh so we have built a 10-story building on a shake table and i can tell you the copiis who are fantastic researchers none of us really have experience with constructing 10-story <laughs> buildings. No, uh, yeah. So, you know, having that partnership, uh, you know, we couldn't do a project like this without them. Um, and, you know, I think we, it, it, and it's been kind of through every aspect. We, we have a great partnership with a architectural firm and, and structural engineering firms who are leaders in uh, the push of mass timber into... Uh, real projects, uh, not just on the West Coast, but but kind of all over the country, and you know they helped they they helped design the building. They you know helped guide what would be the practical details, um, while still making sure that we had the innovation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because it's still academic research. So yeah, because your but, your responsibility as as the scientific team is yep. what is that big research question and how Absolutely. do we answer that? And yep. and that's what the NSF is funding you for, right? And, and normally it's they don't the NSF doesn't get into the innovation game of technology development. And and this is I think fairly unique in in research, this project that you put together that it satisfies the you know, scratches the NSF itch of that fundamental science, but also gives real world practical application fairly quickly. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, there's so many, um, you know, there's a few kind of really big research questions that we're answering, but there's so many, uh, you know, great research questions that um, we'll be able to look at with the data set from, from this test. Yeah. So, so what are, what are some of those research questions that you're, you're hoping to, to tackle here? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is one of the, uh, um, you know, first 
certainly at this scale, uh, this building was designed with a resilience uh, design approach. So the the post earthquake resilience of the structure uh, was evaluated and and was used to change design um, uh, decisions to 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 make you know to both assess the design and then actually like make some tangible changes to the design. Um, so there's a resilience based design framework that's been developed at, at uh, with John Vandalin, one of the co-PIs that's kind of been his thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so this, this building is an opportunity to say, how, how does that work? If we really, yes. you know, cause, cause we don't have, a resilience-based design approach that's that's kind of out there in practice being used for lots of buildings and then there there aren't any earthquakes that are going to come and test those buildings and determine yeah. whether or not that approach makes sense and delivers uh, you know on its promises and so this is a real opportunity to do that so can you give us a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain into like when we say mass timber what that means yeah, well, there's uh, this ten-story building has just about every type of mass timber that you can <laughs> yeah. have uh, that that is currently made uh, in it. So, um, the the walls there's two types of of shear walls in the building. Um, the one is uh, one type is a mass plywood panel, uh, which is those types of veneers uh, like you're talking about, uh, layered up and and glued together. Um, and then the other one is uh, cross laminated timber, which uses uh, two by fours, two by sixes, depends, uh, uh, kind of laid out. So uh, kind of long direction one for one layer and then a cross lamination for the next layer. And then, and they're able to build up uh, uh, big sections in, in that way. Uh, you can kind of see behind me a splice connection. So each of the wall panels is actually about three stories to three and a half stories tall, um, which is, uh, you know, really interesting. That's about as big as we could get delivered to the site on a truck. Um, and yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and, and each one is, is actually, um, has details that were cut into it using uh, using CNC computer numerical controlled um, fabrication processes. Uh, you know, so they show up to the site almost completely detailed, um, and then you're able to just essentially take it off the truck and stand it up, um, and then begin you know constructing the rest Which of the building around it. Very different from a steel and concrete building where you're site building just about everything. Yeah, yeah, I it's similar, maybe more similar to steel than it is yeah. to to concrete, and that you know components come generally fabricated. But uh, you know we're not pouring any floors; all the floors are mass timber in the building. Again, different types of mass timber. Uh, the beams and the columns here are all LVL uh, laminated veneer lumber. Um, you know, and you know, such amazing industry partners. Uh, you know, we, they have donated so much material for this test. So, shout out to Boise Cascade for the uh, for the beams and the columns. Shout out to uh, 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 Barrel uh, Mass Plywood for the for the uh, for the mass plywood panels. Um, just amazing. 
the support that we've gotten. But then every floor system is, uh, or there's there's four different types of floor systems in the building. There's dowel laminated timber, nail laminated timber. Uh, there's what we call GLT glue laminated timber, which is kind of similar to CLT, except you're stacking the boards up kind of next to each other. Mm, like a big cutting um, board sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And then there's some CLT floors as well. Um, so uh, just um, really amazing uh, opportunity for kind of all of our industry partners to to come and uh, and uh, bring their products, uh, some of them that are not currently recognized in IBC. Uh, and so this is an opportunity to provide some data uh, towards, you know, code acceptance of some of the some of the individual products. Um, yeah, so great opportunities and and everyone should visit the the Tallwood website just to get the yes. list of industry partners because it's really yeah. it's really long. Them all here. So so uh, you got that big rocking wall behind you and we've talked about it yeah. a little bit. Um mm -hmm. what actually is a rocking wall? Like let's nerd out a bit. What why is this useful? What does it do and then how does it work? You've got sections that are three and a half stories tall leads up to to 10. How does all that work? Yeah, so um, so the uh, the concept is is pretty simple, um, and it's not a concept that we developed. It was actually developed for precast concrete construction mm. uh, back in the in the '90s. And one of my colleagues uh, here at UW, John Stanton, was uh, very heavily involved in that in that work. Uh, but the, the so the idea is kind of similar to what they were doing there. Obviously, the materials are different. Some of the uh, energy dissipation, some of the local uh, localized behaviors, and the way we we detail things and and model things are 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 quite a bit different. But conceptually, it's it's not super new. And the the idea is that you you uh, don't rigidly connect the wall to the foundation. Uh, instead, it just sits there and is post-tensioned with steel uh, steel bars. In this case, that go they they will go from the roof to the to the uh, to the foundation, and then the wall is allowed to uplift. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can see the the steel bar the steel post-tensioning that's running from the roof all the way down to yeah, the foundation. All these guys there. Yep, those big long bars. So those act like essentially big rubber bands. Um, they allowed the wall to, to uplift. Um, and uh, what that does is reduces uh, the damage at the base of the wall. So you don't have damage from tension at the base of the wall. You, you have the potential for some damage from crushing and compression at the base of the wall. But um, most of it is, uh, oh, there you go. And this is from... Uh, these this is from like 2017 or 2018, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is from uh, from the first round of testing that we did. What we uh, kind of proof of concept testing uh, on a two story uh, building on the UCSD shake table back in 2017. I mean, you can see the wall kind of move relative to the relative to the floor, and that's that's the idea there. And uh, and and so this allows us to design essentially a damage-free structural system that can accommodate uh, really large deformations. So we can accommodate big drifts that are imposed from really big earthquakes, 
and have very limited damage uh, to the structural system. Uh, there are some uh, steel energy dissipation devices that are incorporated into the design that are replaceable, uh, quickly replaceable. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's part these of the guys here, right? space design philosophy. They're in those little cutouts. There's some yep. uh, U-shaped uh, steel components that are in there that uh, are designed to be replaced should they need to be uh, replaced. Um mm if they develop fractures, things like that. Um, super interesting thing about this test and what really hasn't been done is that this wall is 10 stories tall and uh, it has a first mode period of about 1.7 seconds, uh, 1.8 seconds. So what does that who, mean? <laughs> yeah, so for those who design taller taller buildings, they'll, they'll, they'll get that. That's, that's a pretty long period which means it has a pretty long kind of, uh, you know, resonant period for lateral, uh, lateral loading as it kind of sways back. So and it's kind of like the, kind of like the biggest string on a bass guitar. Like it's got a very yeah, low exactly, exactly. Fre resonant frequency. Exactly. Um, but what we think is really important, at least what the numerical models show is really important and what previous kind of computational research has shown for rocking systems is that when you get to taller walls like this, the higher modes contribute a fair amount to the response and can actually drive the maximum uh, moment demands and shear demands in the wall itself. Actually, the biggest moment demand in this wall uh, is around story four. Um, which, you know, is important because that's also where some of the splice near the location for the splices that splice yes. wall panels together. So that was, you know, considered in the design for those for those splices. So um, so this will really be one of the first tests of a building of this size, whether it has a rocking wall or not, where higher modes contribute that much to the response of a very non-linear system. Um, and, and so it's gonna be really, really valuable for us to, to take all this data uh, that we're gonna get from this test, you know, analyze it, compare it with computer models, and then share it, of course, on Design Safe with the rest of the community to, uh, you know, to get, to, to let everybody take, take a stab on, you know, understanding how higher modes in uh, in taller structures that have a lot of nonlinearity, a lot of mm -hmm. nonlinear behavior, in in this case concentrated mostly at the base, um, how those higher modes, you know, actually pop up. So you know, it's just going to be an amazing data set. Yeah, uh, and 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 well, kind of well, to that point, one of the one of the great things about having a network like this that has such great partnership with with industry and the NSF and everything is is data reuse. I mean, the amount of data that you're going to be putting out from this is uh, uh, titanic is probably a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge, huge amount of data. Um, I, yeah, it's going to really be an amazing data set. Uh, we have every in instrument location um, marked in a 3D Revit model. Um, as well. So uh, data reuse is going to be um, just amazing for this, uh, you know, the data reuse opportunities. I think, you know, our goal is is in, um, you know, maybe 
10 years, people are still writing papers um, with the data from this test and still learning new things about uh, the seismic performance of just generally tall buildings um, and long period structures uh, subjected to, to really large earthquakes. Follow along with Jeff and all the whole uh, project team at the, at the Tallwood website, which we'll have a link for in the description and you saw a screen share of earlier. So if you're not watching these on YouTube and are just listening on your phone or in your car or something, um, definitely check out, especially now that we've got these big tests going on that are visually exciting. Um, we're, we're putting these all out there and making sure there's a lot of uh, great resources visually on, on YouTube. So check it out there. Um, and looking forward to sharing more about Tallwood Project as it, as it uh, progresses over the next few months here. So uh, thanks again, Jeff, and uh, we'll, we'll see yeah. you again soon. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Design Safe Radio. We really appreciate it. Smash that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. Hit that little subscribe button. That really helps us out and bring this message to more people who are interested in hearing about how our engineers and scientists are making our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. A big thank you to our sponsors at the National Science Foundation. Our award number is 212-9782. And a big thank you to our program officer, Joy Kowski, who is excellent. and. Our team at the National Science Foundation's Network Coordination Office for NARI. Um, Marty Lachance is our question writer and copy editor extraordinaire. Raquel Ruiz manages all things technical and editorial. And Morgan Glass is our social media coordinator. Big thank you to everybody at the NARI NCO and all of our experimental facilities. Thank you and have a great day.